Good morning. It's good to see you guys. We are, oh, I say to see you guys. I'm looking at, what, 10 people, uh, maybe less. Uh, so we're really, really glad that you're with us today, uh, church, and appreciate that. We're not yet open for public services, but I am grateful for every person who's here today. But thanks for joining us. Really glad you're here. And, uh, Everybody else who's here today, uh, we will be opening up to public services, hopefully in the near future. But this is the way we're going to do this, just so you're aware. Right now, we're working on a plan. We're not going to do anything in a hurry. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to try to do everything wisely. So that's why we're going to really think through the plan. Uh, there is some talk. I have yet to see the county actually say it. Uh, there is some talk that the church or that the county is going to open up to more church related activities, but they haven't given us a lot. They haven't given us some guidelines, but they have left a lot of stuff kind of vague. So we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do this wisely. That's just what we're going to do. So, um, uh, but glad you guys are with us today. Uh, we're doing a series right now in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is a letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people who are living in Philippi. And uh, we're, we're doing this series on Philippians called A Life Filled with Joy. Because in this letter that Paul wrote to these Christians, Paul really loved these people. I mean, they were really, when you read through Philippians, you can tell he really loved this church, just delighted in them. And uh, and when he was writing to them, he talks a lot about joy. In fact, he uses the word joy and rejoice 16 times in four chapters. And so he, he talks to us about a life filled with joy. And one of the major themes in the book of Philippians is that there is joy in the gospel. Now, he uses the word gospel nine different times. And what the gospel is, is the gospel is good news. The good news is that, that, that Christ went to the cross for you and me. He bore our sin on the cross. He died for us. He was raised again on the third day so that through faith in him, you can be saved. I can be saved. Our sins are forgiven. That's what the Bible tells us. It tells us that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is no condemnation. It tells us that in Christ, we're a new creation. And so, uh, and that God is working in our lives. And so the gospel is this message of great news. And it's in, in the message of Philippians is that there's good news in the gospel. Last week, part of what we said is that we said there's joy in the gospel when we live, live lives worthy of the gospel. And if you want to know more of what that's about, you can just watch last week's service. But we said there's joy in the gospel when we live lives worthy of the gospel and when we live our lives for the advancement of the gospel. You know, it's easy for us to live our lives for a lot of different things. But when we live our lives worthy of the gospel and live our lives for the advancement of the gospel, that's where we begin to experience joy. And today we're going to look at how unity, Unity in Christ, being united as God's people, what the Bible calls the church. We're going to look at how unity in Christ and unity in the church is a crucial part of experiencing the joy of the gospel. Now, in our world today, uh, we divide over so many things. I mean, some of the things we can divide over are really pretty superficial. They really are. So sometimes we divide over things like, well, like race and ethnicity. Uh, in fact, uh, back in the 1960s, Martin Luther King Jr., he made this, this comment. He said that the most segregated hour of the week in the United States was 11 o'clock 
uh, Sunday mornings. The most segregated hour of the week was 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And if you think about that, that's, that creates, that, that just sends a very sad message to our world. That, that what divides us in things like race and ethnicity is more important to us than what unites us in Jesus. And, and so sometimes we can, we can divide over things like race or over ethnicity. And by the way, that's not always about color. I mean, we see this in other parts of the world. That you have people who are maybe like in Europe, you'll have people who are, their skin color is exactly the same. Their eye color is the same. But there is an ethnic uh, heritage and difference that can lead to division. You can see this in Africa. You can see this in Asia. You can see it in every part of the world. And you know why you see it in every part of the world? Because you see it in the human heart. Okay? That really what divides us is less about race or ethnicity. It's more about the heart. But there are other things that divide us. Things like politics. In our world today, we are becoming so polarized over politics. And there's so much vitriol in, in how we talk about, about politics and so much vitriol that we see in the press. And it's really kind of sad. But we divide over politics. We divide over socioeconomic status. So, you know, someone else, they're kind of wealthy. Well, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with him or her. Or maybe, maybe they're not as wealthy. Well, I'm not real comfortable with him or her. And so what we do is we begin to divide over our socioeconomic status. And sometimes we'll even divide over education. Uh, we'll divide over, you know, you know, I'm not really comfortable around this person. They have a Ph.D. Or I'm not comfortable with this person because they haven't graduated high school yet. Uh, by the way, my daughter hasn't graduated high school yet, but she's way smarter than I am, all right? Uh, but, uh, you know, we can divide over things like education or even life experience and stuff. And, uh, but, but, you know, the interesting thing is, is when you read through the scriptures, when you read through the scriptures, you see something really different. Uh, in, in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 7, and a lot of people, they love the book of Revelation. They love studying prophecy. But to me, one of the most exciting texts of Scripture uh, is, is Revelation chapter 7. And part of what excites me about Revelation chapter 7 isn't about what's going to happen in the future, like, you know, in, you know, people are looking for it in the newspaper or whatever. Uh, but what excites me is this, is that, that this vision that John the Apostle had uh, when he looked into heaven. Because John sees this, this vision into heaven, not just a vision into the future, but he sees a vision into heaven. And you know what he sees when he looks into heaven? This is what he sees. The Bible says, After this, I, John, looked into heaven, and there before me was a great multitude, a huge congregation, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. A great multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. Standing before the throne, the throne of God. Standing before the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in worship. They cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, they, they worshipped and, and what united them was more important than what divided them. What unites people, the great congregation in heaven, is this worship 
this, this worship of God, this worship of the Lamb of God. And it's more important than the superficial things that might divide us, like nation, tribe, people, language, those kinds of things. And what I believe the church needs today, and, and I have a very high view of the church, and I'll tell you why. I have a high view of the church because I have a high view of Jesus. And the church is what Jesus is about in the entire New Testament. Jesus is about his church. I don't think you can have a high view of Jesus and not have a high view of the church. I believe this. Because Jesus, he, he, he paid for the church with his life. Uh, and Jesus has a high view of the church. And, and I believe that what God wants in his church today what he wants in Solana Valley, what he wants at Parkway, what he wants in every church uh, in this community, uh, in Fairfield, Sassoon area, Vacaville. What God wants for his church is he wants the, this incredible unity of the congregation that we see in heaven. So today what I want us to do is, is we're going to look at what the scriptures tell us, and we're going to look at uh, what it tells us about how this kind of unity is possible. And today, I, I typically preach from the NIV, uh, but today I, I want to preach from the New American Standard. And the reason I want to do that is just I memorized this passage of Scripture a long time ago in the New American Standard. And I was talking with Mark Russick about this a little bit earlier, is that, that, that for me it's like sometimes I'll be reading it in the NIV or the English Standard Version. That's like, that's not what it says. Uh, you know, that's not what the Bible says, and I'll think about what it says in the New American Standard. So today, I'm preaching from the New American Standard. If you have a uh, a phone app with the Bible on it, if you want to turn to the New American Standard Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And uh, let me read that for us. Scripture says here, it says, Therefore, if therefore there is any encouragement in Christ... By the way, the word if there could be translated since. Since therefore there is encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation or comfort of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. How? By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but... With humility of mind, let each of you regard one, one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality of God, with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to cling to. Uh, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, also God the Father highly exalted him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Let me pray for us and then we'll launch into this text. God, today, um, we want to have a really, really high view of Jesus. We want to have a really high view of what Jesus is about, his church. And God, we want to learn how to live the kind of unity that brings joy to your heart, the kind of unity that we'll one day experience in heaven. God, teach us how to do that as your church. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right. uh, Basically, what God wants us to do is God wants us to pursue unity by humbly serving others over self. That God wants me to be more about you than I am about me. That, that, that what God wants for us is he wants to pursue unity by humbly serving others over self and by taking for ourselves the same attitude that, that Christ Jesus had and by focusing on the exalted Christ. I want to share with you four simple principles here if I can. The first principle is this, is that God wants us to pursue unity. God wants us to pursue unity. Uh, where do I see that? Uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Paul says, since therefore there is encouragement in Christ, since there is consolation of love, since there is fellowship of the Spirit, since there is affection and compassion, make my joy complete. How? By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That what God wants for us is he wants us to be united in our thinking. He wants us to be united in our affection. He wants us to be united in, in spirit. And he wants us to be united in, in purpose. So what is unity? Real quickly. What is unity? And first of all, unity is, uh, let me just say what unity is not. Unity isn't all of us looking the same. Unity isn't about us all doing the same thing. That unity is about us having um this common affection for Christ. Unity is about us having this common mindset that ultimately everything is about Jesus. That unity, unity is about us having this attitude. This, this, uh, 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 what the scripture says here in verse two, uh, united in spirit. And it's interesting. I, I looked this up today because uh, I've been reading through this, but I looked it up again today in the Greek text and because I was curious about united in spirit, because normally spirit is pneuma. But here, Paul uses a different different word. He uses the word, I'm sorry, I am a, I'm a Bible nerd, so I nerd out on stuff. But but the word he uses here is, is sum sukos, okay? And, and I know that means a lot to you. But just think of, of sum being like sum, okay? The sum of... Two numbers, you know, that, that it, it's, it soon means together, what we are together. And sukos, that's where we get our word psych for like psychology, that, that really, that what we're talking about is a oneness of soul. In other words, maybe the word soulmate, you've heard that use, that word used before? That what God wants for us, for his church, is he wants us to be soulmates together. And he wants us to have this unity uh, also in intent and in purpose. So uh, what is unity? Uh, it, it, it is, uh, think like a football team. Just think like a football team. You know, on a football team, you have a lot of different people who do a lot of different kinds of things. So like on a football team, you'll have offensive linemen, and their role is to block, Okay. You'll have running backs, and oftentimes the role of the running back is to run with the football. 
Other times the role of the running running back is to block. You have wide receivers, your wide receivers, and and tight ends. And, And these guys, a lot of times their role is to run pass routes, or sometimes their role is to um, is to block as well. And then finally you have a quarterback, and the role of the quarterback is to put the ball into the hands of his playmakers. It's to put the ball in the hand of the running back. It's to put the ball in the hand of a receiver or a tight end and, uh, so that they can make the play. See, each of these men is doing something a little bit different. Each of these men is thinking a little bit differently about their role, their part on the team. But collectively, all of them working together makes a team. And that's what we're looking for, and that's what we want in the church. God wants to pursue unity. So why is unity so important? And I'll, I'll just simply say this. Uh, the unity of the church is so important because the mission of Jesus is so important. How important is the the mission of Jesus? It's this important. Jesus died. Jesus died. He laid down his life to accomplish his mission. See, the, the mission of Jesus is to seek and to save the lost. The mission of Jesus is to, is to, um, is to make disciples. And this is what God has called us to. The why is the mission of Jesus so important? Because there is so much at stake. There's so much at stake. See, when we are living the mission together, people are being saved. People are coming to know Jesus. They will spend eternity with God because we choose to live the mission of Jesus together. The the why is our unity so important? Because the mission of Jesus is that important. that, That it can change the course of a nation. That this nation, the United States of America, that many of us... You know, we, we, we have a couple of Canadians in our church. We love them. We have a couple of people from South Africa. We love them. Uh, but a lot of us, uh, we are, are citizens of the United States of America, and we love our country. And our country really was born out of spiritual revival, uh, the Great Awakening. And, and that was, in some measure, the impetus of the beginning of a new nation. And, and so it can change the gospel And making disciples can change the course of a nation. And it can change the course of a world. There is so much at stake in our unity. And what's at stake is is the mission of Jesus and the gospel in our world. Uh, why um, Why is unity so hard? And, uh, and, and I'll just simply say that in two words, well, actually it's three words. Uh, no, two words, uh, pride, pride and selfishness. I guess it's three words because I put the word and in there, but, but the reason that unity is so hard for us is because sometimes we're proud and sometimes we're selfish. Sometimes I'm proud. Sometimes I'm selfish. The greatest challenge to the unity of our church is my pride and my selfishness. And, and the greatest challenge to the unity of your church is your pride and your selfishness. Now, I know you aren't as proud or selfish as I am, but all of us, we struggle with that at times. And it's because we struggle with that that sometimes unity isn't easy for us. So let's talk about how unity is possible and what makes it possible. And the first principle we said today is that God wants to pursue unity. But secondly, God wants to pursue unity by humbly serving 
others over self. God wants us to pursue unity by humbly serving others over self. Verses 3 and 4, uh, Paul says this. He says, do nothing from selfishness. There's the problem I have, okay? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, pride. Um, <clears throat> do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. That's the remedy of pride. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. That's the answer for selfishness. Um, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, what's best for you, but also for the interest of others. That God wants us to pursue unity by humbly serving others over self. Last night, I just kind of had, uh, I started thinking about uh, a guy named Dawson Trotman. I know many of y'all probably don't know who Dawson Trotman uh, was, uh, but but he died before a lot of us were born. But but Dawson Trotman uh, was the founder of a ministry, Navigators. And, um, and, and I remember as a young kid, I remember listening to, uh, a cassette tape of one of his messages, and it had a profound impact on me. I, I still remember one of his lines from that, that message many years ago. But Dawson Trotman, uh, one of the things that was really neat about him, he, he, he was only 50 years old when he died. He was only 50. Uh, he had five kids. The oldest was 18. And, uh, but the way he died, he was at this camp, and he was speaking to young people, and talking to them uh, about their walk with Jesus. And, and one day he was out on this lake with some other people in a boat. They were out uh, skiing and they were having just a fun day. And they hit some choppy water. And what happened was Dawson Trotman and a young girl fell overboard. Um, I, I apologize. I, I, every time I think of this story, it just fills me. With uh, so much emotion. Because I believe it's a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. And what happened was Dawson Trotman and this young girl fell overboard. And uh, what Dawson did was... He held the little girl up. And while holding her up, instead of fighting, drowning, he gave all of his effort to rescuing this little girl. And he drowned. Um, Billy Graham did the funeral that day for Dawson Trotman. And what 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 Billy Graham said of of uh, of of Trotman, he said this, he said, Dawes, that's what he used to call that's what a lot of people call Dawson Trotman. Dawes died the same way he lived. Dawes died. Dawes died the same way he lived. Holding others up. There's not a more 
beautiful picture uh, from the modern world that I can think of of what the church is supposed to look like than that. It's about choosing to die to self for the sake of what's best for others. Now, I'll tell you that sometimes I'm really good at fighting for my own rights. I am, instead of doing what's right for other people. And what the Scripture tells us is, do not merely look out for your own personal interests. Dawson wasn't trying, he wasn't fighting to keep himself afloat. He was fighting for the life of this little little girl. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That what God wants for us, and we will be a unified church when we pursue unity by humbly serving others over self, when we uh, are willing to die to self in order to hold another up. Uh, Third principle here, how is unity possible? Number three, God wants us to pursue unity by taking for ourselves the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That he wants us to pursue unity by taking for ourselves the same uh, attitude that Christ had. In verse 5, the scripture says, Had this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul, what Paul says is he says, Have this attitude, the same attitude that Jesus had. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he, Jesus, is, existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or something to cling to. Uh, instead, he emptied himself of all of his rights, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That what God wants for us is he wants us to have that kind of attitude that Jesus had. The attitude that we are willing to die to ourselves uh, for the sake of others around us. That instead of fighting for our rights, we empty ourselves of our rights to do what's right for the other person around us. By the way, you want to give your mom a, a happy Mother's Day present? Die to self and, and, and do something wonderful for her. My kids, all my kids did something wonderful for their mom this morning. But, but what God wants us to do is he wants us to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Where we are willing to divest ourselves of all of our rights to do what's right for others. By the way, that's part of what makes my wife Joy such a special mom. And, and, and it's, it was uh, special this morning celebrating Mother's Day together and hearing each one of my children celebrate that with their mom and, and what they wrote for her in their cards is that Joy gives of herself um, for the sake of her children and for my sake as well. And and that God wants us to have that kind of attitude, that attitude that Christ Jesus had. Finally, number four, how is unity possible? God wants us to pursue unity by focusing on the exalted Christ. Man, verses 9 to 11 are pretty impressive. Because this is what the Bible tells us that God the Father did for God the Son. After Christ humbled himself emptied himself of all of his rights after he became obedient to the point of death on the cross, 
This is what God the Father did for him. It says, therefore also God highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Now, in our world today, people routinely say Jesus Christ as a word of profanity, as a word of exclamation. And what we want to do is we want to honor the name of Jesus Christ because it is the name that is above every name. The word Jesus should never be used as an exclamation point. It should never be used as an exclamation point. I should never say Jesus except to say it in honor. Why? Because God gave him the name that is above every name. Uh, God gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, folks, I want you to think about this for a moment. When the Bible says every knee should bow, it means every knee. It means my knee. It means your knee. It means the knee of Adolf Hitler. One day, Adolf Hitler will bow his knee and say, oh, my goodness. Jesus is Lord. One day, Julius Caesar will bow his knee. One day, Alexander the Great will bow his knee. Every prime minister who has ever lived, every president who's ever lived, every king who's ever lived, every dictator, Idi Amin, will bow his knee and say, Jesus is Lord. It's coming. That day is coming. Every atheist will bow his knee. Every worshiper of every other religion will bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and say that he is Lord. Folks, the best time to say Jesus is Lord is today. Do not wait until judgment. The best time to say that Jesus is Lord is right now. The scripture says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The time to call on his name is now. Now, folks, oh, man. I have heard people say, you know, I'm just doing life as me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Do you know how many times the Bible says that? Never. The Bible has called us to be the church. The Bible has called us to be Christ church. And you cannot have a high view of Christ and a low view of the church. You cannot have a high view of Scripture. Uh, You cannot have a a high view of Jesus and a low view of Scripture. Um, God has called us to be his church. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come back up, please. God has called us uh, in, in when we have a high view of, you know, humility isn't really about having a low view of ourselves. Humility is always about having a high view of Jesus that results in a high view of others. And when we have that kind of humility, when we have that kind of high view of Jesus that results in a high view of Christ's church and a high view of one another. We will have the kind of unity that the rest of the world will look at and say, man, I want a taste of what they have. I want a taste of what they have. God wants to pursue unity, 
by humbly serving others over self, by taking the same attitude for ourselves that Christ Jesus had, and by focusing on the exalted Christ. Let's pray. God, today, uh, with what's left of this day, we want to worship you above all things. Uh, we want to we want to have this high view of Jesus. We want to see him as exalted over all. And Lord, we want to have a high view of one another. Loving one another, putting each other first. And in this way, experiencing unity. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.